listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. Always good to be here, RJ, and yes, on a day in which we've got Game 2 of the NBA Finals coming up later on. We've also got some NFL storylines that are popping up with training camp fast approaching. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? I think when there's such a big game as tonight, we do a market recap a market kind of check-in because we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the price in game two seemed wrong we made a bet at the end of the show and now the market's adjusted in the direction we thought i think we start there yeah, and it is Game 2 of the NBA Finals coming up later on tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Bucks at the Suns in Phoenix, where the Suns have a one nothing series lead. And right now on pregame.com, Phoenix is also a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, so yesterday it was five-and-a-half. We got our Milwaukee bet, full best bet in at five-and-a-half. Now, listen, lines move randomly, or they don't move randomly, but there can be mysterious reasons why a line will move so it's not like every time the line moves in your favor you should celebrate but it was really one of the rare times that we just kept saying again and again this doesn't make sense that you know we were flummoxed by the line and usually that means either there's information that you don't know and once it's revealed and it's information other people do know the line's going to make sense Or it's the line's wrong and people are going to realize it sooner rather than later and the line's going to move. So I think it's very instructional to kind of explain, you know, what we saw yesterday and and how it's adjusted. And, And what we saw yesterday was pretty simple, was that after game one, Giannis's projected contribution for game two was as high as you could have hoped it to be at any point in the series, really. Let's not forget, before game one, there was people still thinking, I don't think Jan. In fact, McKenzie, now that I think about it, I don't want to try to shake you from your confidence here, but it was just yesterday before the show, you said, I don't believe Giannis will contribute in a material way to any game in this series. Do you, do you recall that? Well, it wasn't yesterday because that was before game one, but it was oh, the oh, day I'm sorry. of I'm game sorry, you're one. right. It was, it was two days ago. Go ahead. Yes, I said more than once on air, off air, by my reading of the market, I don't think Giannis is going to play in the first three games. That's what I said. Well, you said more than that. You said you don't think that he's going to contribute in a material way to any of the games because you said this is the kind of injury that's just going to linger, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that wasn't crazy to think that, though in hindsight it was playing wrong. It wasn't (laughs) crazy. It was a reasonable take that meant there was uncertainty all the way up to is he going to contribute in any material way. Now, after game one, Jonas, and you affirmed my thoughts on this all day yesterday, 
it's it's pretty realistic to say he's going to be close to full go in game two, and if not, then soon enough. And you know what? Even if not 100%, at 90-plus, he's going to be a key contributor. Nothing I've seen since pushes me off that. Uh, you in agreement there? Yeah, no, totally agree. And look, he played 35 minutes. It's not like they just threw him out there for yep. 20 minutes and said, you know, go get the rust off. He played 35 minutes. They depended on him at certain points. I mean, I think you got to come away feeling pretty good about him if you're a Bucks fan. So just like in Hold'em, where you get your two cards and you have to bet at that stage, knowing what you know. Then here comes the cards come out on the flop, and now there's three more cards out there, and now you've got to act accordingly. And the classic example, you got queens. Pre-flop, eh, odds are quite good, unless there's a bunch of raisin, that you got the best hand. If the flop comes to seven uh, jack, you're feeling pretty darn good. If it comes ace, king, ten, eh, you've got an inside straight draw, but you're not feeling as good. Now, we knew what we knew before game one. After game one, let's call that the flop, we know more. Now, what we know for the series is, hey, Phoenix has to only win three more games. Milwaukee's got to win four. That's the mathematics of the price adjust. But then... There's the, well, what new information, what reevaluation should we have based on that new information? Usually that's going to be very modest. And that's kind of a trick to think about, which is uh, there's always, it's not like in football. People find it absurd that a team will be, let's say, a seven-point underdog in a football game. That underdog will win the game. And then I'll be asked, well, what would the line be if they replayed this game in a week? And I say seven, maybe six and a half. And, you know, seven's going to be unusual. It's usually going to be, in general, a half a point adjustment to the favor of the winning team and a half a point downgrade to the losing team. Now, that is the default, meaning that if, if you just asked me randomly what would I think the change is going to be, I'd say winning team up a half, losing team down a half. But there's times you can upgrade the losing team. I mean, you can't, it's just if there's a bunch of turnovers, randomness, bad luck, etc. In basketball, when you see a team win by 30, you think, well, they've proven they're the best team. Except how many times do you see that other team win by 30, or maybe not 30, but win easily the next game? So any one game doesn't tell you much when we're, what, almost 90 games into the season about how good a team is. But with an injury... The one game can tell you a lot because we hadn't seen Giannis on the court since he got injured. So that was all new information. And as we just said, it caused a serious reevaluation to Giannis's contribution. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If we assume that Giannis is almost 100%, the question is, what would have the line have been in this game uh, or in the series, let's say, with a 100% Giannis? Now, what we know is that that bet was offered before the injury. At the Westgate here in Vegas, you could have bet Milwaukee versus Phoenix. The understanding at the time was, correctly so, that Phoenix would be home court, you know, get four home games out of seven. And thus, that line is super applicable other than the Giannis injury. 
But now we're saying the Giannis injury is kind of done. It's like we're close to 100%. So we can go back to that minus 150, which was Milwaukee favored. So typical home court advantage, let's downgrade it a little bit because there's still some lingering effects, I think, with the pandemic where the crowds aren't quite the same. But let's say minus 150 for the home team if the teams are even. So Phoenix, if these were even teams, would have been minus 150. But the fact of the matter is that Milwaukee was minus 150, which is effectively a $0.01 difference because minus 150 goes to plus 100, plus 100 goes to minus 150 the other way. So 100 cents. Wow. 100 cents better for Milwaukee given the givens of today, which is these two teams with a 100% Giannis or nearly 100%. So I, that is what led me to say, well, wait a minute. Why in the heck would the line be five and a half? And there were other things, and that was in game two, Phoenix favored by five and a half. And at the time, there were other things that pointed in the direction of Milwaukee. Things like the zigzag theory, which is the team that loses tends to bounce back or at least do better the next game. But even forgetting that, if you have the better team, which 100 cents better is unequivocally better. It's not even close. Because if this line were, if Milwaukee had home court and they're 100 cents better, it means they would have been minus 250, right? Their home court minus 150 plus another 100 cents. So this is clearly better. And there was nothing in game one that really told you that, oh, we got to reevaluate. Phoenix is just way, way better. Now, maybe, and McKenzie brought this up, and I think it had some validity, the the matchup advantage on the pick and roll and Milwaukee struggling with that, maybe you could make the case that was reaffirmed in game one, and that's meaningful. But maybe that's 20 cents. That's not going to be huge. So for us, we felt like the line should come down. We gave the best bet. The line's come down to four and a half. Let me make the following case. Four and a half assumes that Phoenix is the better team. Right? If, if home court's three and a team is favored by four and a half, it means they're one and a half points better than the home court advantage. Jonas, aren't we back to the same question, which is if before the series Milwaukee was 100 cents better, that's what the betting market thought. Yeah. All right. And now we're in a situation which is very similar to what we assumed before the series, which was Phoenix is Phoenix, uh, Milwaukee's Milwaukee with a healthy Giannis. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that we say Giannis being hobbled is worth, uh, you know, 30 cents. And let's say we learned about 20 cents worth of advantage to Phoenix because of the matchups. The numbers don't really matter. Let's just say a modest amount of money. We still are, well, Milwaukee's better just by a lesser amount. That means this line should be maybe two, maybe yeah. one and a half. What, I'm going to ask the same question. What is going on? I don't know. And I also was thinking about this. I believe Milwaukee's probably the healthiest team Phoenix has played all postseason. Even even with Giannis. As of now, for sure. Yeah, even with Giannis coming back and, and maybe not being close to 100%, after what I saw game one, they're by far and away the healthiest team they've played. Because, remember, they opened up with the Lakers. LeBron didn't look 100%. Anthony Davis definitely wasn't 100% in missed time. Then they had Jamal Murray 
Barry-less Denver, who was worn mm-hmm. out and completely grinded down to the nub because they were one of the final four teams in the bubble, so they were banged up. And then you had no Kawhi for the Clippers, and they dealt with injuries also later in the series. I think by far and away, healthiest team they've played, yet for whatever reason, people are, are – I don't know if they're just dismissing what they saw in game one, but it, it, it doesn't add up to me. But if anything, what they saw in game one is driving their love of Phoenix. They're not dismissing it. They're assessing it where it was, hey, we like Phoenix more. The line made sense. When Giannis was out, the line made perfect sense. Agreed. Because Giannis and and Fezzik and I debate this. He was saying upwards of seven points. Uh, You know, Mackenzie, I I think we would agree that when we figured out the math before the series and had Giannis at five, all the the math actually uh, reconciled like almost perfectly. Would you agree with that? Yes, Fez had 73.8%. My numbers came out to 73.7. But Fez was doing it based upon my five-point number, not his seven. Exactly right, yes. Yeah, so what I'm saying is you two did it two different ways, and it came out to be identical, which matched the market, so it was perfect, but it was based on a five-point value. So let's call Giannis worth five, the reasonable people can disagree, which means if um, Milwaukee would be favored by five with Giannis. They'd be picking without him, right? Five-point adjustment. So the line before the rumors and the change to questionable and all that, Mackenzie, the line in game one when Giannis was doubtful was? Suns by five and a half. Okay. Which means the game would be about pick em, or let's call it even minus one for the Suns with Giannis. Yes. Except built into the five and a half, you could make the case with some chance that Giannis was going to play in game one. Though the fact is, the fact the market yawned when he went to questionable tells me that what was built in there wasn't much because even when he went to questionable, they didn't think he was going to be able to contribute. So I would make the case that that five and a half pretty much assumed no contribution from Giannis and you can adjust the whole five to say that's the Giannis factor. You agree? I would I would definitely agree with that. Saturday night, I was talking to Bernie Fredo, and I was talking as if he was not playing. He was doubtful. Statistically, when someone's doubtful, it's like 15% that they'll play. So and usually if they, play, if they play, it doesn't really, they don't contribute much anyway, more than the backup would. Right, and we saw right. the Anthony Davis scenario earlier. These yeah, so, so let's agree that the line would be Phoenix by one if you adjust from game one. You know what? That line actually makes a ton of sense. Phoenix by one... At home, would say Milwaukee is clearly better, but but not by a ton, by two points. Because it would be three, home court advantage. If they're even teams, you go to one. Well, minus 150 compared to the 150 the other way is about that. So everything would make a ton of sense. Game one line would have made sense. The adjustment to game two would have made sense. It all would have made sense. There's a disconnect going on. And that disconnect is Giannis coming back was considered mostly meaningless. And how that could be makes no sense because Giannis on Milwaukee is the better team. The market believes that. And thus, even though you'd be getting the number late, and that is the danger of not listening every day in real time, (laughs) I think there's still value on Milwaukee here. And this is a rare example where the marketplace is just incongruent. It just is irrational, especially when there's two markets saying two different things. Because the last point I'll make in this segment is when we looked at the adjustment after game one, we expected there to be about double the adjustment in the favor of Phoenix after they won the game. That's the simple mathematics of it for the series. But the adjustment was only half. And I said, makes sense because they had to reevaluate the 
odds of the future games because Giannis is back, and thus the odds are different than we thought because we weren't sure how much he would contribute. It made sense, but they haven't readjusted it for game two. That makes no sense. What's up, everyone? It's me, three-time NFL All-Pro Sean Marion, and I have a new sports podcast called The Lights Out Podcast with Sean Marion. This podcast is special to me as I get a chance to talk to some of the best who've ever done it on the field or the track. So whether it's talking to a Super Bowl champion or a NASCAR Cup Series champion, The Lights Out Podcast will bring it to you the only way I know how to. I'm giving you the best insight from the best who've ever done it. Listen to Lights Out with Sean Marion on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you can get your podcast. I actually decided I'm going to do a pizza best bet on a prop, so let's get to the game. Yeah, and the game is tipping off at 9 Eastern time. It is game two of the NBA Finals, and the line has not moved since we opened the show. Phoenix still a four-and-a-half point favorite on pregame.com. Well, I didn't give a pick, Jonas, so I mean, if, if I did. But <laughs> what, we, what we will say is that the pick from yesterday stands and that at, we're graded at the line we had yesterday, five-and-a-half, we like Milwaukee. Tonight's game... I still like Milwaukee, even at the current number, I mean. Uh, let's look at Milwaukee's three biggest scores. Giannis is considered to be the best scorer, highest at 26.5 points. Now, his props have been as high as 33.5, so they do think either less shots or less scoring in general, they think. Is it efficiency or is it how much he shoots? I don't know. A little downgrade. Middleton at 25.5 points. And Holiday, who tends to take a holiday now and again, it seems, 19.5 <laughs> Now, if you look at Phoenix, and this is where my pizza best bet comes in, is Booker. I like Booker under 28.5 points. 28 and a half is the number. We're going under for a pizza bet. Whatever you spend on a pizza, this is what you should bet if you're betting. If you like faux gras and stuff, all right, you're betting more. But here's the thing. Why? It's real simple. As we said, Chris Paul is playing a different game the last two games, closeout versus L.A., he scored and scored a career high in the playoffs, 40-plus. Then he had a 32-point performance in game one. He hasn't scored over 30 in two straight games at any point this year. In fact, the entire year up to the last two games, counting the playoffs, he had three games 30 or more. Then he's had two in a row. Did he shoot lights out? Yeah, he shot well, but it was his number of shots, 19. He's putting the team on his back. Well, if Chris Paul does that, it might help Phoenix. It isn't going to help Booker scoring. So I think that every shot Chris Paul takes comes out of Booker's effectively. And because of that, it doesn't make any sense that Chris Paul is up, and McKenzie made this point during the commercial. Chris Paul's number has gone up a point from the last game, but so has Booker's. How can both of their numbers go up? Doesn't make sense. I think Paul's shots are taken away from Booker. That's where we're going to go under 28 and a half, and we're staying with our full best bet on Milwaukee. By the way, Aiton, 16 and a half is the third score. And oh, by the way, you don't back me over McKenzie, Brooke Lopez to light him up. 